Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Today's conversation, we thought we were going to talk about two topics. We ended up talking about one topic, so I'm redoing the intro. I'm being completely transparent here, and I'm saying that we're talking about advocates of change. uh, Joining me are friends of the pod, Amy Collins, Michael Graves, and Aaron Nines. Hello, friends. Hello, Hello, Brent. Hello. What I wanted to start with was something that we brought up in one of the previous episodes, which was how do we leverage champions of change, people who are advocates of what we're trying to do? So who would like to at least address that topic before we move on to uh, the cost of change management? So I can talk about advocates of change. So thinking about advocates and those folks that are are supportive of the change, not necessarily have leadership roles or aren't managers and and those kinds of folks, um, it's a huge um, factor in the success of change management when you have those advocates around the organization throughout the areas that are being impacted by the change. And they become these people that are well-versed in the change understand the concepts around change management in whatever format that that is and also are, are have a have a really strong um presence in the organization or folks really respect their opinions sometimes they can be your worst nightmares if they don't agree with the change <laughs> but in spinning you know winning them over then they become these advocates for the change and people that will um, collect feedback because the other folks in the org trust them and are um, feel free to share their true feelings about a change um, and, right. and can talk through that, right? So that advocate then is sort of a conduit between the frontline and the project team in understanding where people are at with the change. And it it gives people comfort to know that somebody in sort of a role that's very similar to theirs is supportive of the change. And so it plays a huge part in in getting people sort of to buy into the changes that are happening, provided you plan for that in advance. Right. Right. It doesn't happen without... Yeah, it doesn't happen without orchestration, right? And making sure those folks are sort of what I've sometimes term as super users, like they really understand everything about it, about what's happening. So they become that that go-to person when somebody's either freaking out or doesn't understand it or or they just want to vent or whatever, right? But you know as a project team that this person is on on the side of the change. And so they become this essential part of the success of the change. Excellent. Erin, thoughts? Um, My main thought, I think, um, coming from a project uh, perspective, is if you can get these types of folks uh, to play a role in your project team, uh, that can go a long ways uh, to have positive change management as well. So there's usually a lot of available roles in a project team, um, be it communication or, um, you know, organizational roles, uh, system roles, what have you. 
Uh, if you can get these key individuals, whether they be individual contributors or in a leadership role, um, to be part of the project team, it goes even further to advance your change management. Right on. Michael? I agree. Thinking from a project perspective as well, those people that um, to get them involved that are like your expert, or even if you have an opportunity to get a group of people that can help the project team to be like your um, liaison team, I guess, you know, they may be your special ops team <laughs> that you, ha right. you can have the project team that does the work, but you may have the side team that they're like, go put your feelers out there or, and come back to the project team to help you make decisions. I think that's also helpful. And if you plan that ahead within the project to have that liaison team, it really helps that project move quicker and make decisions that are well, well decided or well, well thought out. I've, I've worked with uh, others in the SAP organization who have, because their changes have been sort of really massive, right? A large amount of people that they have implemented change advocate networks hmm. so that they're already like there's designated people there. The conversations are being had well in advance. So they're bringing that feedback, right? You know, the project team may share what their objective is. These folks go out and have, just like Michael's saying, have these conversations and get more feedback. But it's all, the key from, from my perspective is it's very intentional, right? It's not just a, oh, let's go, let's go talk to Sally, who is, <laughs> right? And just sort of one-off things. These are all very intentional things that drive success for change, for the change. Yeah, and I think that there's a couple different ways that you can uh, get that network going. It could be regular touch-based meetings, um, distribution lists so that they receive status reports or any other key communications that go out, some sort of um, IM channel, be that whatever tool you utilize, uh, Teams, Slack, others, uh, where they're getting information uh, through that format. Any of those are helpful to make someone feel informed uh, and be able to spread the right message throughout their the people that they influence. So let's talk through, I mean, we might as well just stay on this topic because I was thinking we were going to talk about this for a little bit and then pivot to something else. And so I'm just going to tell everybody now that we haven't we're not going to do that. We're going to keep talking through advocates of change. So when it comes to these advocates, I'm going to ask, do you think that it's important to identify them early in the process or even before the process rolls out? Or is it a question of as you start to see, you know, you've you've rolled out this change and then you want to hit on people who are pinging you back with like, oh, this is super awesome. Great. Tell everybody else. I believe it can be an evolution that happens throughout your project. And in most cases, you, it's hard to identify them up front. Um, but you get to know um, who this work influences or who it touches um, pretty quickly as you begin to work a project. And I think it's more of an evolution than it is a planned group of people that actually happens. And I had an experience where it, we planned a group of people to be 
outside of the project team, but to help influence. It was before the change was rolled out, but to influence part of the change. And we picked a group. It did evolve, like Aaron said, over time. Um, some of the people we picked didn't have capacity to provide the information, but they nominated somebody else to be part of that liaison group. And some of them happened to resist the change at first, and that <laughs> became the big, biggest advocates at the end once they were able to see the change and help provide that feedback and bring the feedback into the group. They felt that they were empowered part of it, and so that brought them along in the change, and they became a huge advocate. And, and from my opinion, I think it needs to be a combination of the two, right? I think you need to have some folks in in your pocket that are ready to sort of perform this role probably nominated from either people on the project team or managers that are being impacted by the change. And then as things evolve, if you need more, or there's somebody else that comes up with, hey, this is a great idea, or this is a this is a change that you might want to consider that, that you should have roll with the punches there and be a little bit flexible. But having those handful of folks already in your pocket can help that transition happen smoother. So what I'm hearing is that it's better to at least identify who you believe is going to be a positive spin person on this, because you don't necessarily want to just say, hey, by the way, we're making this huge change. And, you know, we're going to we're going to let you know in advance because we need you to be an advocate, because all of a sudden then that goes back to something we talked about even in the first episode where you want to avoid churn and avoid rumors and avoid mm -hmm. all the, the thousand paper cuts that you end up with. So it's the you identify them, but you don't let them know it's coming before it happens. And then you you it's like uh, to something Michael talked about, about having building your network. So you build your network, you, you identify what your network's going to be, you roll out the change, and then you hit your network and ask them for feedback. Yeah. And I think you're asking for feedback along the way, too. Um, so sure. I don't think that that's a one-time hit um, oh, on the feedback. Mm -mm. Yeah. So I think that that's key. Um, another thing as you're building this group, um, sometimes you can be very strategic and uh, purposefully bring in the resistors um, into that mm -hmm. more positive group, uh, and they will be um, influenced by the positive people. And you know they'll resist, resist, but you know it's human nature to want to be a part of something. So uh, you can utilize that uh, strategic method as well. So I'm hearing a lot of human nature stuff in all of this. <laughs> Is that what psychology. we're doing? We're just trying to yeah. leverage leverage psychology, you know. <laughs> and here's the thing: if if that was the case, I think I would have paid more attention to my my psychology classes because you know you and me both. It's not something you think, <laughs> right? <laughs> right on. Okay, as we're starting to wind up towards time, is there anything else we want to make sure that we cover when we're talking about advocates? I would just say that to limit look for your them. advocate. Yeah. Sorry. Here we go. We, we got everybody wanting to. to. Here, yeah. okay. Here we go. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, Aaron. Okay. I would just say be open to who they may or may not be, um, and let it evolve, and be open to that. Okay. Amy. And I was saying, I was saying the same thing. Oh. Um, basically, don't limit your advocates. <laughs> right. It was just basically yep. be 
what Aaron said was being open, but I was like, don't limit to who you think your advocates would be. Yeah, they, a, lot of times now, identify, a lot of times they'll identify themselves, but having at least a plan um, of, of who you can utilize and, and paying attention to the people that are really influential in their group, right? Keeping those, those folks in mind, but absolutely being able to roll with the punches. I think you said one so, thing too, uh, Amy, about plan, and you can utilize um, just a simple, you know, get out the org chart of everybody that is impacted by a change, um, and then just use a highlighter, use something mm -hmm. that, you know, red, yellow, green to kind of tell you where those people sit, and um, tools like that can become very useful, and to revisit them throughout your project yep. life cycle. Um, to see if people are changing either one way or the other uh, can be a part of this process as well. Yep. So one thing that we didn't talk about, but I want to make sure that we do, is in wider orgs, how do you try to leverage a network of inf of advocates if you if you don't know who they are? Is it that you mm. lean on your advocates, or you know how do you how do you cultivate your advocates? So we got, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna say. We're probably gonna run over, so it's now parking lot sized. Okay, so let's talk about the, how do we cultivate advocates? I think part of that is identifying, as Aaron said, identifying all the teams that are impacted, and then hopefully somebody within your project team at least has some sort of connection to that team, right, where you can, you can ask for nominations to be this person, right? Identify sort of some criteria that you can provide to leadership in those in those teams, and just look for their feedback for who would be a good a good person in this role. Okay. It's it's sort of a private eye thing too, right? So a lot of mm -hmm. times you start with your sponsor, you ask them a few questions, they give you a few names, you talk to the next row, you know, group of people, and then you get a few names and um, utilizing other people's networks becomes very key uh, to making this work mm -hmm. well. Michael? Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing, Aaron was saying you start with your sponsor and kind of build out from there. Hopefully they have some capability to reach out to their network and then, like Amy said, nominate from those groups based on certain criteria. I think that's been the most beneficial way that we've found those advocates. Okay. Anything else we want to bring up while we're here? And I just think communication with the expectations of what you're asking them to do is also important, right? It can't just be sort of a free-for-all. Uh, there needs to be some sort of, hey, you know, the, you, your manager, you've nominated yourself or whoever, and this is the expectation. So clearly defining those expectations so that there's not confusion on on what they're supposed to do and what how you're going to react to feedback they bring you back, right? Not just because somebody brings feedback <laughs> doesn't mean a project right. team or a change is going to react to that. So just making sure those expectations are set in the beginning so there's not you're not adding to the resist resistance because you didn't react to to a thought to to feedback. 
right? You want to hear them, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to change direction on the bus just because they right. they want you to. Right on. All right. I think that's where we're going to end for this iteration. Until the next time, I'm Brent. I'm Amy. I'm Aaron. And I'm Michael. Until the next iteration, give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Reach out to us on mail at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was not Faster Than a Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.